Welcome to a very special edition of Airwaves. This year marks a significant milestone in naval aviation history, 50 years of women flying in the Navy. But it's not only about honoring the past and celebrating the present, it's also about inspiring the future. My name is Michael Lauren Prue, and I'm the host of the Navair Airwaves podcast. But today I'm handing the microphone over to the Navy's next generation. So please welcome to the show, your host for today. I'm Lila Prue and I'm in eighth grade. I'm Ashley Chebby, I'm a junior in high school. My name is Allie and I'm in second grade. My name is Caitlin Schaefer and I'm in fourth grade. And joining the girls today are a few of our current women in aviation. So please welcome Commander Jocelyn Lieberg, Deputy Program Manager for Ford Class Aircraft Carrier Launch and Recovery Equipment. We have Commander Lindsay Buzzle, Deputy Program Manager for Time Sensitive Strike. Commander Sarah Kilface Abbott, Deputy Program Manager for FA 18 EF Super Hornet. And Lieutenant MJ Ingle, NOC AD Headquarter Unit, Naval Combat Assessment Team. Ladies, thank you for joining us. And girls, over to you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Can you please tell us a bit about yourself and your current job? Hi, I'm Commander Sarah Abbott, call sign Killface. I'm a F-18 pilot by trade, test pilot. I've done two combat deployments flying the F-18 Super Hornet, and now I'm an aviation engineering duty officer at NAVAIR. I work as the deputy program manager for Super Hornet in PMA-265. My husband is also an F-18 pilot, and he currently works in PMA 268 on the MQ-25 program, and we have two kids, nine and four. I'm Commander Jocelyn Lyberg. I go by ALF. I'm an F-18 WIZO. I went to test pilot school, and I'm an AEDO now. I work on the launch and recovery systems on board the Ford-class aircraft carriers. I have two little boys and a husband who is the best. Hi, I'm Commander Lindsay Buzzle, call sign Buzz. I'm a Naval Flight Officer for, I flew P3s. I got to tell the pilots where they needed to go. Married to my husband, Rob, and we have three girls who are four, seven, and nine. My name is Lieutenant Marjorie Engel. I go by MJ or Ruckus. I have been in the Naval Reserve for going on five years now. I'm an aerospace engineering duty officer, direct commission officer, which means I had no prior service to that and didn't go through a, a ROTC program, but I did go through a board selection. Prior to that, I was a flight test engineer on the civilian side for the Naval Air Systems Command for eight years, uh, working at VX-20. I am now working for the Air Force and the F-35 program office as a foreign military sales mission systems integration lead. Why did you join the Navy and pursue the career in naval aviation? So this is Jocelyn, and I joined the Navy because it's my family business. Someone in my family has been in the Navy continually serving since 1948. My grandfather was a naval aviator, my dad was a naval aviator, my little brother was an EOD tech, and right now, me and my cousin are currently serving. I love it. It's like being among family every time I get to come to work. This is uh, Commander Abbott Killface. Probably go by Killface unless you want me not to. It's just habit. So this is Killface. I did not join because it's my family business, although I will say my grandparents served in World War II, and that includes my grandmother, who was a wave in, in World War II. So when I decided to go to the Naval Academy, it was a surprise to my family, and they didn't know what to think of it, but I was really motivated by the idea of being a part of something more and joining the service and 
committing my professional life to service. So I got into aviation kind of after joining the Naval Academy and studying aerospace engineering and, and thinking that this was the business for me. This is Buzz. So I don't know why I joined, but I do know that when I walked onto the yard at the Naval Academy, my hair kind of stood up on the back of my neck and I just had this feeling as to this is where I wanted to go, right? So it probably stems from movies and books that I read as a kid wanting me to go check out the Naval Academy while I was in high school. But sitting in that auditorium and listening to their video, it just felt right. I knew it was something that I wanted to do, probably against all odds in my parents' opinion, because they weren't military, but they supported me in my uh, goal and backed me through the academy, and I'm here today. This is Lieutenant Engel. I I don't think I actually started out wanting to join like Naval Aviation from the get-go. I think most people were kind of surprised that I pursued this after starting in an, in an engineering career. But when I was in college, I worked in a laboratory that worked on prosthesis for folks that were coming back from Afghanistan. I knew really early on by doing that research that there was something that I wanted to give back to the warfighter. Fast forward a couple years, somebody from the Navy came and recruited at my school. Thought it seemed really interesting, thought it looked like another way that, again, I could protect the folks who are serving us. And so I started working here as a civilian, and then I liked it so much in flight tests that I joined the Navy too. <laughs> we get asked that question a lot, but, but I wanna say that the question of why you join is kind of one thing. The question of why you stay is another thing, and I think it's almost as important. I think there's always a young you who joins because it sounds cool in some way, right? It looks neat. It sounds cool. It seems like it would motivate you. And then the reason you stay becomes much more profound. I know I have stayed in service because it is so amazing and rewarding and compelling to be a part of the service and to be a part of the Department of Defense, to be a part of the Department of the Navy, to be a part of a ready room of aviators who all take care of each other and are, are coming together to do great things. You guys have talked about how rewarding it is to be in naval aviation. Is there one memory that sticks out to you as like the best memory you've had? I'd say that it's not one memory, but it's probably the collection of all of them. And I would tie it back to the ready room. So coming from a P3, we were a crew of like 11 of us. So we were a big family. And that close bond between the aviators and everyone that was flying on that aircraft just made it family an earlier call sign I had was Mama Buzz, right? I was the only female on the crew and I took care of everybody, but it's just what made it great. It was brothers and sisters, no matter where we went as a crew, so. I kind of have two. So as a flight test engineer on the civilian side, you can become a project specialist, which enables you to fly in the airplane. It was one of my first flight operations on P-8 and It was kind of funny because we were faring back and we had just, you know, gone through two months worth of a detachment down at Edwards and you get very, very close with the project officers that you're working with and the other flight test engineers that you're working with because you're spending sometimes 12 hours a day with these folks. You learn to depend on them. You learn that they can depend on you and that's one of the highest, you know, kind of privileges that you have building up that type of reputation and report with them. But coming back, one of the project officers let me sit up front at the yoke. And it was just like this sense of peace. Like, this is where I belong. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And these are the folks that I'm doing it for. I'm sacrificing time away from my family because I wanna make this airplane safer 
for the folks sitting next to me. It's not some nameless, faceless person. That experience and that building that camaraderie was what I think keeps me now too. I agree that it's kind of a collection of moments. I certainly have standout flights in my career. I have combat flights where we're supporting troops on the ground, where it was fulfilling to be able to do what we trained to do and support them in combat and see the effects of that support. I certainly have amazing flights coming off the aircraft carrier doing low levels in the mountains. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for just the act of flying an aircraft. But the things that I think we all find rewarding is is that service and that serving with other people and that sense of community and becoming a team and relying on each other and learning together and coming together to do great things. So it, it happens over and over every time someone trusts you and you trust them you all kind of come together to do things as a team and it's incredibly rewarding to learn together and grow together and become really good at doing your mission and for me my my favorite memory still to this day is the first flight i ever took in a naval aircraft we were down in key west and my dad was with me and his last flight in his logbook is my first flight in my logbook and being able to do that transition together and be in the same plane and just pass the torch was incredible. What kind of aircraft do you fly? Uh, So I'm an F-18 pilot, so I fly the F-18 EF Super Hornet, which we call it a strike fighter, because it does a lot of different missions. Some of them are fighting against other aircraft, and some of them are delivering weapons against surface targets, so dropping bombs. We also fly off the aircraft carrier in a Super Hornet, so we do what we we call cats and traps. So we take a catapult shot off the front of the aircraft carrier to go flying, and then we land on the aircraft carrier with a, a resting gear and a hook behind the aircraft, so we literally catch a wire with a hook to land on the aircraft carrier. And I fly the same kind of plane that Killface flies, but she and I also got to go to test pilot school. And that's where they teach you how to fly brand new aircraft that nobody's ever flown before or use brand new things that nobody's ever gotten to mess with. It's a lot of fun. I flew in P3 Charlie Orion aircraft, which is kind of like a large school bus. And our missions included anti-submarine warfare, so looking for submarines in the ocean, or doing surveillance and looking for pirates. So pretty cool. And I fly a desk. (laughs) (laughs) But I do have time in the T-6 aircraft. I've been in the back of F-18. I've been in P-8, E-2, C-2. So I've got about 200 hours in the back seat of a bunch of different Navy-type aircraft. Was your first flight scary? So... It's actually the flights that come later that get scarier. So I, at least for me, when I first started flying, I don't think I knew quite enough to be as scared as I should have been in some cases. And I was just so excited about flying that all I could think about, maybe a little nervous, but all I could think about was how cool it was to be in an airplane. I will say my first flight at the aircraft carrier flying the trainer aircraft I was in, the T-45, at the aircraft carrier for the first time and trying to land on it was very scary and it took a lot of resolve to get myself out over top that aircraft carrier and trying to land on it to get my carrier qualification. I wouldn't say my first flight 
was scary, but I've had some scary flights. But what's cool about the scary flights is they teach you how to be brave and they teach you how to not be so scared. It's pretty cool. Who inspired you to start your career in naval aviation? For me, it was actually a a former flight test engineer who was my boss over at VX20. And so she had been my mentor a long time, probably about six years at that point. And she was doing the reserve thing. She had done test pilot school as well. And I just respected how much more she gave of herself because she gave 150% all day at work, you know, in the engineering community. And then she still found on top of, you know, taking care of her family, the energy to give even more on the reserve side too. That amazing level of compassion and desire to help and try and support the warfighter. My family inspired me to to join the Navy, but that's the family that I was born to and they still inspire me to stay, but it's the it's the family I grew, like Killface was saying, that have inspired me to stay. My kids think what I do is pretty cool and that's not gonna last forever. And I know that those days are numbered, but as long as they still think what mom does is pretty cool and as long as I do too, I'm gonna keep staying. My mom definitely is the one who made sure I never felt like anything could hold me back, that I could go after something and pursue it, and that that wouldn't be weird or abnormal, or there was never any question of her support or her confidence. And I think that really enabled me to, I fixed it on this, but that enabled me to look at, at everything as an option. What advice do you have for the next generation interested in flying? I would say that if you're interested in aviation or no matter where your dreams take you, don't give up. Don't let someone tell you no and keep on pursuing what you wanna do. When I went to the Naval Academy, I didn't get in the first time I tried, but I reapplied and I got in and I got to where I wanted to go. So keep chasing those dreams. It's okay to be nervous or afraid of doing something and to use that as a little bit of a compass, actually. To me, that usually means that what I'm going after means a lot to me, and I'm afraid maybe I can't do it, but leaning into that discomfort is okay, and it probably means that that's something that you think is worth pursuing. So don't play it safe, go after things. When you walk into a room or when you go after that dream, Do not carry the weight of your entire gender, of how you're worried about other people thinking about you. You know, if you can possibly just walk in as yourself and really acknowledge that what you're bringing to the table as you and everything that made you is of value. You don't need to try to fit into anybody else's mold, that that what you're bringing to the table is just fine and not carry any other weight on your shoulders. The advice I would give applies for naval aviation for sure, but it applies to a lot of other things too, is to figure out how you learn the best. There's so much to learn in naval aviation and you have to learn it really fast and you have to know it really well. Some people learn best by talking things through with other people. Some people learn best by reading it and some people learn best by practicing it. Knowing what works for you and figuring that out early will help you practice and help you do your very best when you have to learn the really hard things. I would say probably the, the most important thing that I've learned is don't be afraid of failure. It's one of the best teachers that you have. And you learn a lot also from, from reaching back and helping the people behind you too. 
We have so many more people behind us in line that can offer so much more. You don't have to be afraid if you don't feel like you're the smartest person in the room or the most talented. You are the smartest person if you realize that there are people who are smarter than you and you can learn from them and encourage them and push them to be the best person that they can be. You don't have to be afraid of that. You just have to help each other. What was the most exciting thing that you did when training to be a pilot of an air crew? The most exciting thing I did in pilot training was landing at the aircraft carrier. That is very hard. And when you are arriving at an aircraft carrier for the first time, when you're flying over it and you look out the window and you see how very small it is and and try to put your little aircraft on board that aircraft carrier, it's incredibly, incredibly exciting. It's scary. And I would say, I don't know which is scarier, being the person who's doing it or being the person who's sitting behind them, hoping they do it really, really well. What is your favorite thing about flying? So my favorite thing about flying is, it reminds me of when I was younger and I played sports on a team. I loved playing field hockey and lacrosse when I was growing up. And I liked them the most because they were team sports and I got to be with other people and work really hard. And that's kind of what naval aviation feels like to me, too. And that's that's why I like to fly. My favorite part about actually flying a strike fighter aircraft, so a tactical aircraft, a fighter jet, is being able to maneuver this incredible aircraft in 3D. So we walk around just kind of in a 2D world and getting to actually think in multiple dimensions and maneuver that aircraft through space and wherever you want to make it go. I think it's the closest you can get to being like a bird when you see them out there flying and and they're going all over the place. You get pretty close to that when you're actually flying a plane and it's an amazing feeling. I'm not sure how I can follow that one up, but as an NFO, so a Naval Flight Officer, I'm the, me and Alf are the back seaters. So we get to tell the pilots where they gotta go and what they have to do. So it's kind of nice, like I'm the youngest of five siblings just to finally get to tell someone else what to do. And a flight test engineer, we we don't have like the same level of responsibility as an NFO, but essentially you take on the role of a crew member too. And one of the coolest things that being in that role and being able to fly enables you to do is you understand the mission in which the aircraft is being employed, right? And that really changes your perspective on how you do your job from a technical perspective. Like you have a better idea of what questions you need to ask and what parts of the mission set you need to understand in order to make sure that the airplane will do its job when it's employed. This year we are celebrating 50 years of women in flight. What does that mean to you? So for me, I just feel very privileged to have been able to go to the Naval Academy, join the Navy, knowing that flying an aircraft and and flying it in all roles and missions, flying in combat, flying whatever aircraft that I could kind of compete for and get into, that that wasn't going to be restricted for me. So I feel really thankful to everybody who went ahead of us. I think all of us have had a, a fantastic experience as women in naval aviation, and that was not possible for those first women, and it wouldn't have been possible for us without them. So I feel very proud to continue that legacy and, and privilege that they went ahead of us and, and paved that path for us. 
So one of my mentors growing up was one of the female aviators who went to Congress and lobbied for the combat exclusion law to be repealed. And every time I got to go fly, I thought about her and what she laid on the line and what she did. And it makes me wonder what I can do now to make things even better for the next generation, the next 50 years of women flying. Celebrating the milestone of 50 years makes you reflect and pause and think and really think about what you are thankful for. Because I don't think growing up or as I was going through flight school or in the fleet did I realize what some of the females before us sacrificed in order to open those doors for us to be where we are today because it was just common practice. I didn't think twice about what I was doing because we were allowed to be there, but those women before us have sacrificed a lot to get us to here today. And then just to continue to keep those doors open and encourage females to pursue either aviation or STEM, we can go anywhere that we wanna be. I am personally very grateful for all the women who came before me. I've had some pretty incredible female skippers. There was never a question as to whether or not they would push me and encourage me to do anything that I wanted to do. And so getting the opportunity to kind of talk to them about their experiences, as much as I think the first women who went through the cadre of women who started going into combat kind of broke the barrier, they still carried a lot of additional transition work and the work's not quite done yet. There's still a lot of work that we can do to make things even better for those behind us, yourselves included. And so I I really mirror, reflect, and appreciate all the comments from the wonderful women sitting next to me who have broken those barriers down even farther for myself too, but there's, there's still more work to be done. All of you, I look across the room and I'm sure that each of you have these amazing individual perspectives and we need that. And the more diversity that we get of thought, the more creative we're gonna be able to be when we're facing these challenges. So we need you. So I look forward and I see a positive future and I'm really excited about it. So let us know how we can help you. So I know all of you guys are in the aviation community, but do you guys have like a favorite part of it, kind of like platform or job you've done before? Epic deans are the best, of course. (laughs) Seconded. (laughs) We're all ADOs now, right? I really have enjoyed working in NAVAIR, and I don't fly planes anymore. I work on making them successful and What we do here is an incredible lift, bringing together so many different disciplines and so many different people to get those aircraft out there. It's really rewarding work. When I think about where I used to be, I was out at what we call the pointy end of the spear. I was employing ordnance in combat overseas to get me to that spot, an entire aircraft carrier had to do a lot of work and to get that aircraft carrier out there, there's a supply chain. And it all comes back to us here at NAVAIR and the work we did that got that aircraft carrier out the door. I'm working daily on getting deliveries to the operational Navy right now, to the fleet as they're trying to get out the door on deployments. And so the work here at NAVAIR, I just think being in the Navy gets better and better. And the work I'm doing at NAVAIR is the best yet. My first love is the Super Hornet, and that will always be the case. But Buzz and I got to work on an unmanned aircraft here, and the change in mindset that that aircraft represents is really what the future is all about. What what they're doing is taking an aircraft that 
you know, is similar to the one that Buzz used to fly, and you have to put a lot of people on board it, and it's very complex. And they took all of the people out of the plane and put them in a couple of different rooms on land, and they fly it from there, and they run the systems from there. It's incredibly complex, and it's incredibly cool. And that's what they started doing 15 years ago. What are they going to come up with next? I want to be a part of that one. I'd say the best aircraft is probably maybe the last one that you flew. So even though I started in training aircraft and I flew in the fleet in P3s where you get to get up and walk around and make some food and go to the bathroom, which is pretty awesome. I ended up, my last tour flying was back at flight school. So I flew in a T-39 teaching other NFOs on how to fly and help them earn their wings of gold. So to me, it's the last aircraft. By then I knew what I was doing. I was a little bit more comfortable on the airplane, even though other people were flying it. So I had some great memories on those. I loved the P-8 aircraft, not because it was the last plane that I was in, because it wasn't, but it was because the one that, it was one of the ones that I worked the longest and got to know most intimately. And so I was the geek in the backseat, punching all the buttons to make things work and making notes when things didn't work but also troubleshooting it too. And so just having that level of responsibility and that deep depth of knowledge to be able to help if something went wrong uh, was very personally gratifying to me. So I love the P8. What did you learn in school that helped you get where you are today? Resilience. (laughs) There's nothing quite like engineering school to beat you down just a little bit and teach you a little bit of humility. Right, but I would say resilience and then also the ability to teach yourself new things very quickly. So I went to the Naval Academy and then I went to graduate school after that and I studied engineering both places and I thought I was pretty good at aerospace engineering when I graduated from the Naval Academy. And then when I got to graduate school, I learned I was a lot less good at engineering than I thought I was. And I got worse grades than I ever had. I was really struggling with not getting that positive feedback from getting straight A's. I also learned more than I ever had. So it was great for me through school to kind of come to terms with learning as much through what you could call a failure, but learning through not being good at something, just like I learned by being good at something. So when I went to school, I knew that I really liked being outside and I really liked having fun. So I decided I wanted to study rocks and dinosaurs. So while a lot of my friends were in the engineering building late at night, working really hard, I was outside digging up dead dinosaurs and looking at rocks. And most people wouldn't see the connection between pretty much the opposite of dead dinosaurs is flying. But there were a lot of things that I learned. I learned how to work really hard. I learned how to be very careful. I learned how to take really good notes. And I learned how to study. So it doesn't really matter quite as much about what you study. It's how you study. And if you follow your dream and pursue something that you're really, truly interested in. Have you ever flown into combat at all? Yes, I have flown in combat on two different deployments, and they were all in the Middle East, in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. So my most recent deployment was against ISIS in Syria and Iraq. 
Yeah, I've flown in combat too in in Iraq and Afghanistan. What's been kind of interesting about that lately is my oldest son is seven and he's been checking out books from the library about this war out in the desert and he's been asking questions about what that was and why we were there and and getting to kind of talk through that with him has been pretty special. I uh, flew in combat supporting ground operations in Iraq. We got to fly overhead doing surveillance to monitor some of the ground forces down in Iraq. How have your goals changed throughout your career and how have they stayed the same? It's a pretty profound question, I'll be honest with you. So when I was in college, I kind of changed career goals multiple times. So like I mentioned, I started working out at that additive manufacturing lab that was making prosthesis, but it was also printing rocket engines too. So I got hired on to work as a research assistant at a rocket testing facility on campus, which was super cool. And then I heard about the Navy. (laughs) Kind of wanted to go towards aviation, realized that that was around the time that they were kind of spooling down in Iraq and Afghanistan. So they weren't accepting as many pilots at that time. So a recruiter from NAVAIR came to my university, got hired on with NAVAIR shortly thereafter and started working as a flight test engineer because that was kind of the next best thing to being able to fly as a naval aviator and then liked it so much again, joined the reserve, so as an AEDO. For me, when I was younger, at the beginning of my career, it was really all about me, right? I had goals. I was gonna graduate from college, I was gonna become a jet pilot, go be a test pilot, and then I was gonna become an astronaut. (laughs) I'm clearly not an astronaut. So I got through test pilot school, and then I went back for my department head tour, and right before my department head tour, I had my first kid. And I think that's really where my perspective started to shift pretty dramatically. I got to a point where I had achieved a lot a lot of the things I set out to do and then I had to kind of reshape my goals around raising a human being (laughs) taking care of a kid taking care of my family and how I wanted to interact with the world and and I'd say that just triggered a whole different type of growth for me and my family and how we define success. For me, it's a lot more about consistency every day for my family, consistency with my teams at work, and how can I make people around me more effective? How can we achieve these goals together? My goals depend on everyone around me and us functioning as a team to achieve national objectives, and then my family functioning as a team to support each other in this life. All I wanted was to be a part of naval aviation. That's it. That was It was that simple of a goal. And now what I want is for everyone else to want to be a part of naval aviation too and to make it as cool as possible and to make it sound as cool as it really is and encourage as many people as possible to consider it. I would say that the goals of service and the sense of service and really the number one for me is also having fun, right? So those two goals still remain today but they shift in priority for a life-work balance, right? So I've got three girls and the ability to still give back to the community, have fun, but then take care of the family is my number one goal. So I always try to balance both of those things and as long as I can do that, I'll stay with Naval Aviation. What do you guys wanna be when you grow up? I want to be a chemist. I'm thinking pilot, maybe. (laughs) 
I either want to go into the Navy or I want to go into space and flight and I want to be working at Navair. I guess my question is, how can we help you? What do you want to know from us and what other ways can we kind of uh, encourage more folks like you to join us? Because, I mean, we've got places for chemists here. We've got places for pilots here. We've got places for all kinds of engineers and scientists here, but also business type folks and everybody has their jobs to do. And I think a lot of folks kind of look at NAVAIR and they're like, well, it's an engineering organization and consists primarily of engineers, but there are a lot of different folks who work here. So what can we do to help you? Y'all have been doing an amazing job just being women of aviation, just making a difference in our daily lives by just being yourselves. So I'm just gonna say thank you all for being who you are. Yeah, I reciprocate that gratitude. And I was like, just keep going. You have the first female CNO coming up and I'm like, (laughs) it's really exciting. So just keep working on it. Just making, break the barriers that need to be broken. So you guys are all here because you're interested in the Navy or aviation or science. How can we encourage other young women to be interested too? I think having people that just know what's going on kind of thing. Like I've had friends that are like, "Let's, how do I get into the Naval Academy? And I just kind of like know or like, what's this like in the military? And I'm like, it can be hard, but it's also like really fun. And there's all these stories that come along with it. And just like keep telling like the fun stories, but like not hiding the bad. Because like military life isn't easy. It's not the path that everybody chooses and it's not everything that everybody ever wants. But it's, you can fly, you can be, you can have this unique experience that not everybody else can. So just like keep sharing those stories, I think would be really beneficial. Sometimes people see like the, not all the good things about being like a pilot or this like aviation. And sometimes you have to tell them the really fun things about it and the good things. I think by just sharing information and sharing your stories, you're giving us a deeper look into what you do on a daily basis and goals that we can reach through a naval career. You've shown me that there are many opportunities for girls like me, so thank you. So I want to thank all of you for joining us, for sharing your stories and inspiring our next generation. Girls, thank you for your great questions. Awesome conversation today. If you want to hear more naval aviation stories, check out the Navair Airwaves podcast on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.